1: Is not dealt with properly, it has a tendency to grow. And it has a tendency to malignatize and manifest itself in all sorts of ways, not only in a person's life, but in a nation's life as well. When there are no absolutes in a nation, we become a nation of anarchists doing what we want when we want to do it, regardless of the consequences.
0: Sin is an ugly thing that came into this earthly world in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that sin can have some nasty effects on you. When it's left on its own and not dealt with, it can become bigger and stronger. You need the Lord to help you overcome sin. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 19 as he begins his message just when you thought it couldn't get any worse.
1: going to go through Judges 19. So if you'll turn into your books to Judges 19, turn into your Bibles, and you see the title I came up with just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. Judges 19. I won't embarrass anybody, and this is not a test. I'm not writing anything down, but how many of you read Judges 19? I'm, I'm excited. So... You know, one of the things I love about Calvary Chapel, one of the things that keeps me going as a Calvary Chapel pastor is that we get to teach through the entire Bible, line upon line, verse upon verse. And I just love that. Because as Paul told the Ephesian elders, he didn't shun to give them the whole counsel of God. And that's why we teach through the scriptures the way we do, so that you can get the whole counsel of God. One of the things I find difficult about Calvary Chapel and one of the things I find hard about Calvary Chapel is we teach the whole Bible, line upon line, verse upon verse, because there are some verses and things I would like to skip. So we're in chapter 19, and when I thought about chapter 19, these, these are the words that came to my mind. In fact, not only chapter 19, but chapter 20 and 21 as well. The whole end of Judges is like a nightmare. Spousal abuse, blatant homosexuality, gang rape, murder, injustice, brother killing brother, and kidnapping. Now, some of you in the Atlantic City Press today say, well, I read that right there. Well, it's talking about what's happening in these last three chapters. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. Many of you, probably after you read chapter 19, felt a little disgusted. I did. I had read it before, but as I studied it, I felt real disgusted. Well, you're not alone, and you're in really, really good company, and not just with me. One of my favorite preachers and commentators, F.B. Meyer, the great F.B. Meyer, who was a wonderful preacher, He thought that the chapter was so distasteful, he recommended not reading it. And he says this about the first verse. It will be sufficient to ponder these words, which occur four times in the book, without reading further in this terrible chapter, which shows the depths of the depravity to which one may sink apart from the grace of God. Wow. So as we jump into these last three chapters in the book of Judges. They depict a depravity and a darkness of the people of Israel at this time. This was a terrible point in their history. Sure, one they would like to forget. But although these chapters are very grim and they're even gruesome at times, they are important and I believe there are some great lessons for us to learn, both Personally, we can apply them to our nation as well. And as we begin, look at verse 1a, which is the verse that F.B. Meyer was talking about. And it came to pass in those days there was no king in Israel. We've seen this before. It's repeated here. Israel had become a home to violence and idolatry. In chapter 17, 6, we read that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Thus, there was confusion. Everybody doing what they felt was right. Everybody doing things their own way. Everybody was Frank Sinatra. You'll have to figure that one out yourself. They completely disregarded the Word of God, they completely disregarded His commands that He had given their forefathers on Mount Sinai when they came out of Egypt. It's interesting, and it's not coincidental, by the way, that a couple weeks ago we studied in the book of Romans chapter 15 when it said these things were written for our learning and understanding. The whole book, or should I say all 66 books, were written for our learning and understanding, and we need to glean that which we can out of these books, even chapters as gruesome as what we're going to look at. But the story here is not told for condoning. It's told for condemning. It's not told in a condoning way. It's told in a condemning way. These words are written to show what happens when the word of God is ignored in our hearts and in our nation. It was written to show the confusion that existed in this particular period that the children of Israel. What was the main reason that this was happening? The main reason that this was happening because Israel failed to submit to the leadership and authority of God. Simple. Instead, they thought they had a better plan. Everyone did what was right in their own eye. Legal or not, if they thought it was right, they did it. This is nothing more than anarchy. This is the definition of anarchy. State of confusion, wild behavior, in which a people of a country, group, or organization are not controlled by rules or laws. Anarchy is the absence of government and a denial of any authority or established order. That's what's happening in Israel at that time. Israel fell deeper and deeper into sin. And let me say this, and this goes for us. Apply this personally, please. When sin is not dealt with properly, it has a tendency to grow. And it has a tendency to malignitize and manifest itself in all sorts of ways. Not only in a person's life, but in a nation's life as well. When there are no absolutes in a nation, we become a nation of anarchists doing what we want when we want to do it, regardless of the consequences. And I'm reminded of a song long time ago, not that long, but a song that was, it just came to my mind. I don't know why. And all I could hear was that beat. It was one of those things where it starts out with a And some gal comes on there and says, I want what I want, and I want it now. That epitomizes this. It epitomizes, unfortunately, our country today. It epitomizes what I see that's happening to our beloved United States. And in these last three chapters, it's as though the nation of Israel somehow was entertained by this. They were somehow entertained by this. And the question remains. When a nation is entertained by violence, is there any hope for that nation? I believe our country is obsessed with violence. And I believe they love to watch it on TV. They love to read about it. I mean, look at the gaming industry. These video games. Whatever happened to space invaders? Or Donkey Kong? Whatever happened to those games? Or,
0: waka, waka, waka,
1: Pac-Man, my favorite. Whatever happened to that? Now you got zombies coming at you and killing people and robbing cars and all this horrible stuff. You should see these games out there. They're horrid. And everybody has to have them. Gaming industry is huge. It's a billion-dollar industry. That people are spending and right there in their own little homes, in their own little TV. They're playing these games and all they're seeing is violence after violence after violence after violence. They're killing this person, killing that person, stealing from this one, stealing from that one. And it becomes a way of life. And then when they see it on the news and TV, not affected by it anymore. Not affected by that. Nothing sacred. There's nothing that the eye cannot see. Even the most heinous crimes are visible on TV. If it's not on the national news programs, certainly on the Internet, I can guarantee right now, right now, 730 tonight, you can go on the Internet right now and you can watch beheadings of people. You can watch it right now on the Internet. And you look at these sites. And you see all these hits. A hit means people watching it. Millions upon millions of people watching there's a group of people who are entertained by this. This just shows how depraved the human heart can be. Jeremiah had it right. The heart is desperately wicked. Who could know it? So even our beloved United States, you hear statements like, "Well, you know, whatever works, whatever works, whatever makes you happy, do it right." There are no absolutes. This is nothing more than wrong thinking. There are absolutes. There are absolutes that govern our universe. There are absolutes that govern our our universe. I can name one absolute. Gravity. Gravity is an absolute. Go up on top of this building right now and fly. Jump off with the intent to fly and watch gravity do its job. It's an absolute. The same God who has blessed America throughout the centuries, unfortunately now is under attack. Our God is under attack, and he's been expelled from all aspects of public life. Rejection of God and the godly values that made America great have slowly been removed and undermined it. In its place are two words, politically correct. It's been decades since they started removing prayer, Ten Commandments and everything, you know, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. Roe v. Wade back in 72 and all those things. The American way of life has been moving further and further and further away from God. Godly way of life had been replaced by secularism. It's now secular. And this is what happened to the people of Israel. Same thing that happened to the people of Israel. They, If you look at the process by which they fell, what's the first thing they began to do? First thing they began to do is they began to worship idols. Remember last week, Micah and his idols in chapters 17 and 18? They began to worship idols. They start worshiping another god. They started looking for other avenues. They removed God as the focus of their worship. They removed God as the authority and the lawgiver. And after this, it was easy to fall into anarchy and injustice. Because of the Danites' idolatry and the Benjamites' immorality, A great apostasy happened. We see that happening in the United States today. It was a sad, sad time in the history of Israel. So as we move into that, keep that all in mind as we move into this chapter now, and we begin to read, we meet another Levite. There was a certain Levite, I'm in verse 1, staying in the remote mountains of Ephraim. He took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. But his concubine played the harlot against him, and he went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah and was there for four months. So we see this new guy. He's living in the same place as the rebellion against God that Micah started. But when you, this is not Jonathan. This is a different Levite. This is not Jonathan, Micah's priest. This guy, you're going to find out, is an absolute scoundrel. And if you thought Jonathan was evil because he made an ephod, and he he started worshiping idols. This guy makes Jonathan look like Mary Poppins. This guy is a scoundrel. So, the concubine, he has a concubine. Now, according to Exodus 21, 7, and Deuteronomy 21, verses 10 through 14, a concubine was considered a wife. She was considered a wife, and she was guaranteed food, clothing, and marital privileges. If there were children born to her, they were were considered legitimate, but she could not share in the family inheritance. And although the practice was legal at this time, so to speak, it was not approved by God. It was not what God had wanted. It was not what God said back in Genesis, early in Genesis, about what marriage was supposed to be. If you follow through God's word, you see that God's plan for a man and a woman. That this wasn't it. The concubine wasn't supposed to be there. Let alone a Levite, someone who worked in the temple, someone who was a priest. The concubine became unfaithful. She became unfaithful and she feared for her life, so she ran back to dad's house for protection. In verse 3, Then her husband arose, now four months later, her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back, having his servant and a couple of donkeys with him. So she brought him into her father's house, and when the father of the young woman saw him, he was glad to meet him. So the Levite travels to Bethlehem to get her back, and he meets her fathers, and they become delighted to see each other. They become old bosom buddies. Maybe, for some reason, the man thought that the Levite was going to help her daughter come back to a a regular life. Maybe he was going to help her stop being this harlot, stop being this, it says she became the harlot. So let's move on. These two kind of hit it off. Let's look four to eight. Now his father, his father-in-law, the young woman's father detained him and he stayed with him three days. So they ate and drank and lodged there. Then it came came to pass on the fourth day that they arose early in the morning and he stood to depart. But the young woman's father said to his son-in-law, Refresh your heart with a morsel of bread. After it, go your way. So they sat down and the two of them ate and drank together. The young woman's father said to the man, Please be content to stay all night and let your heart be merry. Then when the man stood to depart, his father-in-law urged him. So he lodged here again. Then he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. But the young woman's father said, please refresh your heart. So they delayed until afternoon, and both of them ate. One thing I see about this Levite, he was a party kind of guy. He liked to eat and drink. He liked to hang out with dad. This is fun. We're going to hang out. We're going to eat and drink. He was a party animal. He didn't know what lay before him. He didn't know the tragedy was just around the corner. And when I think about this, I think of the partiers today. You know that old saying, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die? is scriptural. Sadly, how many partiers literally die tomorrow from their partying? This Levite is supposed to be a man of God. This Levite is supposed to be a man of God, but he's acting like a child of the night. And he illustrates the careless attitude of believers then and believers now. Remember what Dave Coyle called them? Sunday saints, Monday ain'ts. Come to church all pious, looking great, wearing your besties, look fantastic. and you know all the words to say, praise the Lord, brother. You know all the things to say. And then Monday through Saturday, you're doing who knows what. But come Sunday morning, boy, you're back in church. Sunday saint, Monday ain't. This Levite's nation was far, far from God. And as a priest, he should have made him fearful and prayerful. Instead of getting on his knees and praying to God to change things, he was partying, eating and drinking and making merry. James 4 says, Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned into mourning and joy. Your joy heaviness. Heaviness. This is how we should feel about those who are unsaved. There should be a mourning in our souls for those people who don't know the Lord. Israel was so far from God. They drifted. If you are far from God, I'm here to tell you that it's not God's fault. It's your fault. If you feel distance from your creator, if you feel distance from the love of your life, Jesus Christ, it's your fault, not his fault. Because although he said he would never leave nor forsake you, you can walk away from him. You can walk away from him. Remember what he told the church of Ephesus in Revelation? You've left your first love. You didn't lose it. You left it. You walked away. We distance ourselves from God. But as we draw near to God, He convicts us of our sin. And so we lament, mourn, and weep as appropriate under the conviction of sin. And then we're we're compelled to come to the cross for cleansing. We're compelled to come back to the cross for cleansing. So... The Levite and his wife finally leave Dad behind. They finally break away from Dad. The partying days are over, and he's going to move on. So we're going to read verses 10 through 21. Actually, 9 through 21. And and when the man stood to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the young woman's father, said to him, Look, the day is now drawing toward evening. Please spend the night. See, the day is coming to an end. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. Tomorrow you go your way early so that you don't get so that you may get home however the man was not willing to spend the night so he rose and departed and came opposite jebus that is jerusalem with him were the two saddled donkeys his concubine also was also with him they were near jebus and the day was far spent and the servant said to his master come please let us turn aside into the city of the jebusites and lodge in it but his master said to him, We will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners who are not the children of Israel. We will go on to Gibbeth. Boy, will that come back to haunt him? He didn't want to stay with foreigners. He'd rather stay with the children of Israel, not knowing what was going on in Gibbeth when he got there. So he said to his servant, Come. Let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gebeth or in Ramah. And they passed by and went their way. And the sun went down on them near Geba, which belongs to Benjamin. They turned aside there to go in to lodge in Gebia. Gebb- and, and when he went in, he sat down in the open square of the city, for no one would take him into his house to spend the night. Just then an old man came in from his work in the field of the evening who was also from the mountains of Ephraim. He was staying in Gibeah, whereas the men of, of the place were Benjamites. When he raised his eyes, he saw the traveler in the open square of the city, and the old man said, Where are you going, and where do you come from? So he said to him, We are passing from Bethlehem to Judah towards the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there. I went to Bethlehem and Judah. Now I am going to the house of the Lord. But there is no one who will take me into his house, although we have both straw and fodder for our donkeys and bread and wine for myself. For your female servant and for the young man who is with your servant, there is no lack of anything. The old man said, Peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. Only do not spend the night in the open square. So he brought him into, into his house and gave fodder to the donkeys, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. Dangerous to travel. At any time during this period in Israel, dangerous to travel, especially at night. It was interesting that he didn't want to stay in the city of pagans, Jebus. Remember, Israel, Jerusalem still belonged to the Jebusites because they failed to run the Jebusites out. They failed to conquer Jerusalem.
0: You are assured. Pastor Dave Schenck will continue his series in the book of Judges next time you join us for Assure Hope. In the meantime, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love for you to come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May will soon be moving to two services, meeting weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Both services offer nursery and Sunday school, where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Judges. We pray you'll continue to be blessed as you study the word on your own and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life each day. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this Old Testament book. So join us again right here on A Sure Hope.